this term, we've had four legends in Sarah Heron, Andrew Marcroft, yeah, uh, uh, Norma Cuthbert, and Rebecca Finley share about how God has worked in their lives so far. And tonight we have three more. So we have Callum uh, Court, we have Lucy Valley, who are very familiar to most of you, I'm sure. And then we also have someone maybe a, a little uh, less familiar to you, but someone who's a legend in my eyes. We have Henry Bell. Would you give them a warm uh, welcome up to the front as they come up and join us? So the format works like this. We'll ask them some really serious questions to start off with, um, some warm-up questions, and then we'll hear about how God has uh, worked in their, their lives to date. So some warm-up questions, either or, okay? So you have to answer, you have to answer quickly. Uh, dog or cat? Dog. 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 Great. Uh, tea or coffee? Tea. Tea. Coffee. Henry's right. Uh, romantic walk on the beach for a date or sit in your sweats in the sofa? Sweats in the sofa. Beach. Beach. Romantics, not so much. Um, what are you currently binging on on Netflix or iPlayer? Grey's Anatomy. Rick and Morty. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing? All right, okay. We're all about honesty, put a Rick and Morty there. Maybe just take that off the record, yeah. Andrew. <laughs> uh, favorite TV show? Grey's Anatomy. Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. BBC News. BBC. Oh. <laughs> He's more exciting than this, I promise. Um, favorite... Pixar film? Toy Story. Which one? One. Correct. Cars, second one. That is so wrong. I love Cars. That is so... Second one's class. Pixar. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Favorite, let's just give me your favorite Disney movie, Henry. Disney movie. No idea. (laughs) Favorite book, not only say Bible. None Like Him is a pretty good book. That was part of your school. Okay, None Like Him, that's a Christian book, but we'll allow it. Uh, I don't read all that. Prodigal God by Tim Keller. Okay, another. Henry? Jesus I, been, I Never Knew. Okay, who's that by? Uh, Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey. Okay, uh, favorite musical artist? Because um, um, you're useless, I'm so sorry. We'll get better ones next time. Um, that's pretty hard. Speaking of that. Um, I'm in love with Hudson Taylor at the moment. Hudson Taylor? Michael Jackson, definitely. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Music? Music. <laughs> oh, music. <laughs> <laughs> Robin Marks. Okay. Uh, does pineapple go on pizza? No. Yes. Yes. Does melon go on the lasagna then? No. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's the best part of a Christmas dinner? The ham. Ham, correct. Yeah, the ham as well. Also correct. The movie, turkey. Turkey, that's also correct. The, the, the whole Christmas dinner is the best part of Christmas dinner, but especially the cocktail sausages, in my opinion. Uh, when is the acceptable time to put up a Christmas tree? First of December. Last weekend in November. First week of December. Yeah, Callum's completely wrong in that. Um, best Christmas song? I thought these were all easy questions, honestly. All I want for Christmas is you. Okay. Bonded. Okay, yep. Good King Wenzel. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, a few would you rather questions. Would you rather wake up every day with a completely different face or wake up every day being a completely different age? Different face. Age. Face. Okay. Uh, would you rather every time you went to order food or beverages in a restaurant or cafe, you inexplicably spoke like Super Mario or that you were unable to speak at all? Super Mario. Super Mario. Super Mario. Excellent. In a fight to the death, would you rather take on a tiger that has no legs or a thousand bullfrogs? A tiger with no legs. Bullfrogs. Tiger with no legs. You're going to lose to the... Like, yeah. Thousand bullfrogs, that's a lot. I'd rather lose to a tiger. There's no, there's no honor in losing to bullfrogs. <laughs> um, would you rather... This is the hardest one of the night. Would you rather punch Gilly or be punched by Gilly? Be punched by Gilly. Punched by Gilly. Punched by Gilly. I'd hit him. I think, <laughs> I think Gilly could do some damage. Plus, think of the shame you'd feel in being punched by Gilly. You'd have to do something horrendous. Okay, a few question, Christian questions. Favorite book of the Bible? Um, Philippians. 
favorite book of the Bible? So Philippians, Luke. Luke. I think I'll go with Colossians. Least favorite book of the Bible? Um. Shame on you, you're not allowed to quite <laughs> that. Um, Music-wise, would you rather have full band or just a piano? Full band. Piano. Full band. Okay, right. Juicy story. Embarrassing moment. Henry, give us one. Well, I think, I mean, I, what do I tell? I've had so many embarrassing stories, but I think one of the ones that really has stuck with me and was really, was really classic, um, I was learning Arabic and um, doing quite well in the language, and I was asked to give a devotional. And so I decided I'd speak on Psalm 139, 23, search my heart, O God, and see if there, um, well, search me, O God, and, and, and know my heart and see if there may be way in me. Anyway, I, I, I launched into this in Arabic. It was all going pretty well. And uh, I gave my introduction, then I, I read the verse, and people laughed. And then I started to speak, and people laughed more. And I found that I made a very classic mistake, but um, the word for, uh, you know, search my heart, the word for heart in Arabic is kalb, and the word for dog is kelb. <laughs> So it's quite close. So um, it was search me, know my dog, oh God. And, uh, anyway, I never lived that one down. So. It's my prayer every night. Um, Callum? Yeah, uh, so for me, um, often summers, uh, me and my family go to France on holidays. And one of the things I like doing uh, when we go on holidays is go for a cycle in the morning. I think it's a nice way to clear my head. Um, so like I said, normally I went in the mornings. Uh, this particular day, I went in the evening. And... Yeah, the route I normally take is through a forest and then obviously on the roads and then further on the beach as well. And this one evening I was cycling and I noticed that there was a lot of runners on my route, um, particularly uh, through the forest. And then basically, long story short, I got down to the part of the road and there were barriers um, up on kind of like where police would like, close off roads. Um, and I found a way through the barrier, turned onto the road. And as I was cycling al along a bit more, I found a lot more cyclists. And then I saw a car was driving very slow in front of the cyclists. And then suddenly I found out that there were crowds of French people um, on the sides of the roads. And uh, yeah, it came soon came apart to me that I was cycling through a marathon. <laughs> and yeah, kind of like the equivalent, like a, like the Lisbon, Lisbon Marathon. Okay. So there was like French um, like billboards ever advertising things. And there were police on the route as well. Um, so yeah, it was kind of embarrassing as French people were shouting at you, running mar uh, runners beside you as you were cycling, and yeah, I just kind of took a curb, swerved like right through the barrier, and just sprinted for it like on my bike before anyone could see. So that was. It's pretty good. Pretty I was kind of hoping he's going to end up in the Tour de France there. Anybody no. else? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a marathon will have to do. Lucy. So I was, I was in church one Sunday morning and uh, my brother Jacob and I were looking at horrendous photos of ourselves on our camera roll and there was a, a specifically bad one of me and Jacob was like, oh, airdrop that to me. And I was like, oh, sure, why not? So I went to airdrop it to him and I hit the first one which comes up, it just says iPhone. So I hit it and I was like, why is this not saying? So I hit it again and the next thing I know, the, the guy in front who's our vet turns around and goes, I think you're trying to send me some photos of yourself. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I sort of was like, eh, yes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I had to sit through a whole church service then after that, but that was pretty bad. That's excellent. I hope it's his wallpaper. Um, all right, so we've got to know some of your preferences, et cetera. Tell us a bit of background information about yourself, you know, age, family, whatever you think is interesting. Lucy, you can start us off. So I'm Lucy Valley. I am 16, and I go to Portland College. I'm currently doing my ASs, and I'm doing biology, chemistry, art, and German, which which is just a bad choice, but anyway. And um, I live just in Portadown with my mom and dad, my brother Jacob, who I mentioned before, who played the electric guitar tonight. And I spend most of my time baking and playing piano and just sort of having some banter with friends. Sounds like a good life. Callum? Yeah, my name is Callum Court. Um, I'm 17 and I'm in my last year of Worship here at Portadown College, um, studying history, English, and RE. And next year I've applied to do primary school teaching. Um, and streamless, so waiting back for offers from that. Um, yeah, I live with my mom, my dad, um, my two brothers, Caleb, one of whom or who's here tonight somewhere in that crowd, and Joel as well. And outside of school, I enjoy playing football and playing FIFA and eating a lot of food. I like food too. Henry? 
My name is Henry Bell. I'm a little older than these two. I'm 56. I um, was born in Africa. My parents are from here, so that's my claim to this lovely land. Um, I did one year in Thomas Street and one year in Clowna and did my A-levels at the college. But after that, basically had left and lived overseas. Um, married a Canadian girl called Nancy. We have four kids who are spread around the world. Um, and I'm still in missions, so we, we, we work with a mission called WEC. Super. Henry, tell us about life growing up. Um, so you said you were born in Africa. Tell, give, us, give us a bit of flavor what, what that looked like, life growing up. Um, born in a little country called Liberia. It, some of you may remember the Ebola crisis we had a few years ago. That was, its epicenter was in Liberia. And um, so it's a, Small country, rainforest, you know, all covered in forest. Some mountains in the, we lived on the edge of the mountains. Um, basically, our home was just a little patch of flat, I mean, basically cleared out of the forest, just a circle around us, all those trees all around us. And then we had a few houses, um, mud houses, thatch roofs, eventually got metal. But that was a very simple lifestyle next to a, a village. Um, I was the first kind of white boy born in town, so I was given a special name called Seiflumpa, so that I grew up, nobody called me Henry. Um, but that was, yeah, it was a simple life, a uh, great life. Uh, Dad was working, helping the church develop. Uh, I would go with him in the evenings out into the, into the villages, because during the day everybody went to work and the, the villages were basically empty, but at night people came back were cooking meals and um, he would go to one campfire and ask if he could visit and preach the gospel and usually the answer was yes and we would all sit around he would tell stories and talk and uh, I mean that was life. Um, eventually I was sent to boarding school because there was no opportunity for schooling and I went to an, a neighboring country so I went from age seven uh, basically until I came back here to college but I mean I found life interesting. Uh, we hunted, we fished, we did lots of fun stuff. That's why I don't know anything about movies or music and all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, but What's your uh, favorite animal to hunt then? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, life was interesting, life was good. Great. What was the question? What's your favorite animal to hunt? Favorite animal to hunt, um, I mean, we would call it a groundhog. Uh, it's like a, a badger, it's very crafty. Unbelievable. Great, great, great meat if you can get it. Yeah. Delicious. Night lighting with, you know, torches and looking for it. That sounds so much better than Netflix, honestly. <laughs> I'd rather go kill a badger. <laughs> Callum, tell us about your probably much less interesting life growing up. <laughs> yeah, much less interesting. Um, yeah, I grew up in uh, Rich Hill uh, with my family. I went to school at uh, Hardy Memorial and then moved on to Kleiner and now on to Fort Wayne College where I am. Um, yeah, besides that, they just play football, go obviously go to, go to church. I have a Christian parents who I'm, I'm so thankful for. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of time we take Christian parents for granted and if you, you, if you guys do have Christian parents, um, they are such a blessing and I really encourage you guys to appreciate the impact they have. Um, so from an early age I was, went to church um, and that was all, all the programs. And like, obviously like many of you guys here may be given that good boy title or good girl title. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how I lived my life until Kleiner and on the college as well, where I am now. Crip, Lucy. Yeah, I'm very similar to Callum. Actually, I grew up just well, like in Hamilton's Bond, um, and then I moved to Port Adelaide about four years ago. Um, but I went to Derry Hill Primary School, which was like pretty tiny, like it was always small bubble. And then I moved to Cotton, which was like ten times the size. So it was it was a big shock. But um, yeah, I then went on to college after that as well. But I just sort of grew up with my brother and then living with, again with Christian parents, which is a comfort, such a blessing. Um, and yeah, that was pretty much it, yeah. So Lucy, start with you. How did you, how did you come to faith? How did you come to know Jesus in a saving way? Tell us about that story. So um, I grew up completely surrounded by Jesus, which was an incredible blessing for me. Um, my mom and dad were both Christians and my grandparents were all Christians as well. And my granddad was a Presbyterian minister. Um, so I just, all I knew was going to church. All I knew was being part of this whole family, which was being part of God's family. And my mum says that I sort of became, came to know Jesus when I was like three or four, which 
sort of sounds a bit like too almost too young, but at the stage she said that I understood and I do remember like doing like devotions with this like this book. I remember it was called like God and Me or something. They're always like smiling kids that had like apple juice. I don't know. <laughs> and they all talked to you about God and I don't know. But I remember that and um I then sort of continued to grow in my faith throughout that and I I think I sort of accepted my faith as my own then when I was about ten and I was like a really bossy child in primary school and I just loved to like be in control and just like boss other people about because like there weren't many people in, in Derry Hill and it was just like, you know, come on, let me organise you a little bit. And <laughs> and I started like a little Bible club um at like lunchtime and I like told them about like the burning bush and stuff and like all the stories pretty much all the stories were about like fire. I don't know why. You know, like <laughs> you know like the fiery furnace and everything. And I would like go into Tesco's and buy sweets and make people come. It's like you'll get sweets if you come to Bible Club. Um so This is as a ten year old. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. My mom's the principal of Derry Hill and I remember her telling me about this. And I remember thinking, What a child <laughs> Yeah, so that was me. And um then in Clarna it was sort of like I didn't really do anything like that because you probably would have been frowned upon if you sort of made people go places with sweets. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, I just sort of continued to grow my faith. And I think it was about a few years ago whenever I moved to PC and then going to, like, New Horizons and everything that I really started to grow even more in my relationship with God mm-hmm. as I sort of got older and mm-hmm. stuff. So, yeah, just been a gradual That's growth. Great. That's really cool. It's fantastic. Callum, what about you? Yeah, something similar uh, to Lucy in terms of obviously having Christian parents um, going to church every Sunday, going to the uh, Bible clubs. Um, I was saved, I think, in a good news club when I was four or five. Um, but as I grew older, um, Christianity became a lot more of a chore and a lot more religious uh, to me. And like this is right through our primary school, Kleiner, and even like the start of Portland College as well. Um, and yeah, I just, Paul Tripp describes it as. Um, like having, having a sports car with no engine. And I think that was me. I think I was um, a very religious person. You'd have known me from going to church or whatever of the clubs. Um, but inside, I was spiritually dead. I had no interest in God or who he was or Jesus Christ or the impact he could have in my life. Um, and yeah, that kind of just kind of made me hate church more, hate uh, religious things more, or church, church things that are good for me. And I kind of get really better um, with Christians. Uh, particularly, I remember it was a, a Fuse event, like a, an event run in our church one summer, and um, I just remember my group leaders, I got really annoyed with them. I actually told them, one of them to shut up about talking about Jesus um, because I was so bitter and, and angry. And then looking over that time, I see, I can see now how God was so faithful and so gracious to me and how he worked um, in my heart at that time, even when I was hard, my heart was hardest against him. Um, he broke that mold, really, and I think for me it was much more of a process over time. And for me, I, oh, I became a Christian or recommitted my life to Christ um, towards the end of fourth year. And I think that was mainly down to Christian mentors I had in my life, especially in church. Um, people who could guide me and influence me um, and just really provide a Christian example for me and show me that Christianity is not religious. It's not just a thing where you... Um, go to things and are expected to do things and serve at things. Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus Christ um, who came to earth and died a perfect death and lived a perfect life and died for us um, for our brokenness. And when that really, when God opened my eyes to that uh, through his word uh, and through the people in my life, then that's how I decided that this isn't just um, yeah, rules. This is life, trans- like life transformation. Um, so that really happened to me towards the end of fourth year in Portland College. And then since then, obviously, I've um, tried to live a life that is more pleasing to Christ. That's not just going to things, um, but actually trying to live a life um, that he calls us, calls all of us to. Mm-hmm. Class. Henry, what about you? <clears throat> well, I mean, growing up, obviously, in a, in a missionary home and going with my dad in the evenings to the campfires in the village and listening to him preach, I, from, yeah, from the earliest age, I heard about God who loved us, and um, but Christ who came for and died for us. He struggled in the Arabic, in the um, in the Mano language, to express the concept of giving your life to Jesus. But they discovered a term. Dad discovered a term that 
if you try to herd goats, it's quite hard. And so the Africans had a word called, uh, I can remember, Zunede, that basically meant you had to make the goat want to go that direction. You had to turn its heart. And so the, the church used the term, uh, as people, we need to turn our hearts. We need to turn away from going our own way and turn it to going God's way. And so I grew up as a little boy hearing constantly, I need to turn my heart. Turn my heart from my own direction to turn it to follow God's way. And I guess much of the gospel presentation as I understood it, yes, Christ died for us. Um, yes, there would be punishment if we didn't follow God's way. But there was always this invitation to be involved with Jesus. Somehow it was, it was somehow a, a walk. It was a destination. You, were, you turned your heart from this way and you actually wanted to go this direction. But it was actually, I mean, listening to that after, I mean, um, a few years. But when I was six, I was very, very uh, sick. And so I was sent on my own, actually, from Africa back to Portadown. And um, my dad handed me to her stewardess, and the stewardess eventually handed me to my uncle in Belfast. And they brought me to my granny who lived on Carlton Street. And so um, during that year, I ended up in this church visiting. And it was actually here that uh, I understood about uh, basically the story of Jonah. It was on Children's Day. And Dr. Craig was explaining how Jonah tried to run his own way and ultimately God's mercy on him. And I, just as a little child, I realized, little boy, I realized, wow, I need to turn my heart. I'm definitely going, I mean, even as a child, I could realize that I wasn't really interested in following God. And I saw the mercy that had been shown to Jonah and so that, yeah, I mean, that morning, Dr. Craig led, you know, led me to Christ. And, uh, I mean, that began a relationship with him where he, he constantly checked in on me over the years. But, I mean, what does it mean as a seven-year-old, I mean, I, you know, to, to follow Jesus? But we went back to Africa, and in the next, in the first four months we were back, I had four major accidents. I almost lost my right eye. Um, I broke my right arm that was paralyzed, and then I split my right leg open, and uh, the last thing, I mean, all of these took times for healing, and in fact, my right arm never healed, but God healed it. I mean, it was, I was asked to come before the church and pray, and God healed and, and uh, just healed this arm because it had become paralyzed. But the last thing that happened was I was sitting with my father in the back of a tractor, sitting on the fender, and he was mowing our... Uh, the boys' football field. And I loved watching there because you could see the snakes and every now and one would get caught in the blades behind and come flying out and I would run and catch it and set it aside and we would eat it later because they're really good actually to eat. And so I was collecting. Anyway, I was watching but dad hit a bump and I fell off the tractor and before he could stop he drove over me and um, there was a little hole in the ground and uh, I can still, if I close my eyes, remember the <laughs> of these big blades. So he backed up, and uh, I popped up. And he said, do you want to get back in the tractor? <laughs> I said, no. <laughs> and I temporarily forgot about the snakes and all the excitement. And I, I just, I, I had about a half a mile walk home. And I remember simply on that walk thinking, all these things that have happened to me, God, you must be interested in my life. You must have something for me. And you just spurred my life. I, I realized I should have died. But anyway, all of that was, I think, helping me as a little child to understand that God was interested in me. And it wasn't just about obeying him and him being over there, but he was genuinely interested in me. Just a few, minutes, a few months later, I was sent to boarding school. And many of my friends hated boarding school, and, and many of them still look back. And we still, I mean, I'm in the mission. I'm still dealing with some of the hurt that they felt from way back. But um, for me, it was, I went to boarding school, I realized God was with me there. And I think he, all of that was his preparation to help me. So I think, I mean, that's how I came to the Lord, and it was this concept of turning your heart, going in his direction with him. Hmm. And, I mean, that started then in a simple way, but it's continued to this day. Hmm. Unbelievable. Um, Lucy, we'll start with you on this one. Can you tell us about a time in your life where you faced trials or hardship? You know, uh, and then looking back, how can you see God using those for his glory and your good? Um, so, as I said, like, I go to RPC, and 
Um, I'm the only girl in RPC that's in my year. The rest of the ones in my year were all boys. And growing up through Sunday school, it was fine. I sort of got on with it. And then we have like two different youth fellowships in, in church and one's for first to fourth years and one's for fifth year and up. Um, and all of my friends pretty much in church were all older than me. And I, whenever I was at the younger um, youth fellowship, I enjoyed it okay, but then they all left. And I had like no friends in church whatsoever and just didn't want to come to church. I just hated it. Didn't even get anything from the sermons anymore. Just wanted to go home and after church we just hang out with my mum and dad because like there was no one to go and talk to um so I didn't really I think I didn't go to that end up not going to the youth fellowship and then just sort of didn't really even read my bible anymore and just sort of decided that like church wasn't all that great it wasn't all that was cut out to be um and then after a few months um I started to meet up with um well she's Erin Irwin now but Erin McNeely and uh, she like really sort of mentored me and sort of took me like under her wing and sort of really encouraged me and sort of like encouraged me to read my Bible again and just to be able to be accountable to someone. And I'm so grateful to her for that. And um, I think it's a real challenge to me as well now to undertake that role as well, to not just take from people, but to give back to like younger girls within church and within CE and wherever I am to really be able to be accountable to them, like for them to be accountable to me and not just take it from everything but Mm. now looking back on that situation like if I hadn't gone through that then I wouldn't have appreciated my friends in church so much more now and want to help out with the younger ones as any either that's class and what age were you when she started mentoring you then I think I was about must have been end of third year start of fourth year so that would have made her 18 at the time roughly 18 19 I think so yeah so there's a challenge for you if you're 18 or 19 and you follow Jesus there are people younger than you in your churches at CE that, that need you to take them under your wing. Get with it. Look at the impact it can make. That's class. Cal, what about you? Yeah. Um, one of the things I really struggled with recently, it's actually still an ongoing one. Um, it started maybe six or seven months ago, um, as I've actually felt really down uh, recently. Um, and at the start, I thought maybe, obviously, just with exams, exam stress, whatever else, um, I'll just get through this and it'll be done. Um, but actually, that continued um, for quite a while, and it got worse. And um, it is still ongoing, um, something similar to depression. Um, and I've actually booked an appointment with my GP to go and just get, just get checked out. Um, but really, to cut a long story short, um, I have struggled like, to sleep and like my diet. Like, so some days I may eat loads, some days I may eat very, very little. Um, and like this is got worse and it does get me very down um, and it can leave um, like me lonely uh, at times and like the reason I like say this is because I don't think like mental health or like even issues of like feeling down is like talked about um, a lot and I think it's just something to be worried of and also um, the fact that I'm still going through it like I'm a very broken person I have like a lot of mess um, and I think like what God's been teaching me recently is that he is so gracious and so faithful um, like when the times where I like felt down, I think like remembering like scripture, um, like Isaiah 43, 4, um, is where God, like God talks to the Israelites, uh, like his people who have been really rebellious. They've like forgotten God's goodness and his uh, promises in their lives. Um, and I can like relate to that in so many ways. Um, and Isaiah 43, 4, uh, God says that, um, you're precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. Um, and like we're remembering that verse that actually like the God of the universe who like created everything um, and has led these Israelites out of so many things and they constantly forget their goodness on or for, for constantly forget his goodness um, and yet he looks at them and says you're precious in my sight and, and honored and I love you um, I think that's such a comforting verse for me when um, they, those things happen um, that God is constantly gracious and God constantly loves us like we are all broken people, and I think sometimes we try to be perfect people, or uh, at least don't accept our brokenness. Yeah. Um, and I think God has so much grace for us in those situations. Um, and also Hebrews uh, chapter twelve, uh, I think verses six and seven, God talks about um, or talks about God's discipline on us, and He actually dis- like He actually rejoices uh, when He disciplines us. Um, like it talks about like um, how can a father be a good father if he doesn't discipline his son? Um, so obviously, when we mess up because we're sinful by nature, we need our, our mums or our dads or our guardians to correct us and when we go wrong. 
And actually, God rejoices in that. And I think that is such a hope for all of us that despite our mess, despite our brokenness, um, Jesus loves us so much. And like, he can't, like, we can't begin to imagine like, how much God loves us. And um, Psalm 139, I think it's verse 17, but don't quote me on it. Uh, it says, um, uh, what does it say? You're precious. Uh, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God, and how vast is the sum of them? that if I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. So, like, if you think of, like, Port Stewart Strand and how many, like, strands of sand are on that one beach, and God looks, if you count all of those, like, that's still nowhere near as much as how God, how much God loves us and how many good things God has to say about us, despite our mess and despite our brokenness. And I guess with what I've been going through recently, um, that's just such a hope and such a courage. And it's my, it's my confidence um, that despite how I may be feeling, or despite my brokenness, or how much I mess up, that God still lavishes his grace um, on each of us, um, regardless of where we go wrong. And yeah, that's what he's been teaching me through that. It's really helpful. Thank you so much for sharing that. No worries. Henry, what about you? Yeah, I mean, um, following Christ and walking with Christ, you're constantly facing challenges. But as I prayed about what to share tonight, I... Um, I think just after um, when we started with mission work, we went to Jordan, uh, to Amman, Jordan, the, the capital, and we started to learn Arabic. And as my Arabic improved after a couple of years, I was introduced to an older um, man. Um, his name was Abu Hani, and uh, he had he was Muslim background, come to Jesus, and I was asked if I would help him and help disciple him and and just befriend him. Now, Abu Hani was, um, his trade was he, he had machinery and he laid tarmac, like he could lay asphalt. And uh, I was trying to get him work for that. It was really hard and getting to know his family. And he often would get a contract, but as soon as there would be whispers go around the, the circle of men and they would basically, because he is now a follower of Christ and was known as that, he wouldn't get the job. So I was thinking, how do I raise money? What do I do? How do I get him a job? So I went to the Canadian Embassy and made an application for agricultural development. And one of that, one part of that was, was putting in a road. And um, we got the contract. We got the money. We got everything. It was all done through a local church. There was a, a Jordanian Christian man. And um, also exciting. Abu Hani was to get the contract, but the day he showed up for the contract, they basically said, no, we're going we're gonna to give it to a Christian man. And um, I tell you, I was really angry. <laughs> I felt completely had been led along the line. I'd raised the money. We had done all this work. It had all been signed. Abu Hani was going to get the contract, and then he was turned down. And they basically just give it to another contractor, one of their buddies. And... Um, so, that, I mean, I look back, and that was a huge low point in my life. I just thought, like, what's this all about? Um, I can't trust people. And I realized at times people, even good Christian people, will let you down. But I realized at that point that a lot of it was about me. You know, I had raised the money. I got the contract. It was all going to work. It was going to be a great thing for Abu Hani. <laughs> but God had other plans. And... Um, it was about recognizing he was going to do deeper things in Abu Hani's heart through that rejection. Um, he was going to do deeper things in my own heart about recognizing that it's not about me going out and getting it done, but it's about finding what God wants to do and humbly following what he wants to do. As I look back, and I think God in his mercy in those early days of starting my mission work, I suddenly realized, yeah, life's tough. And there's going to be hard things, and you can come up with your own solutions, but you have to trust God for his. Now, I think one of the reasons for mentioning that is that continues through life. And the Lord keeps proving himself, and he keeps teaching, and you see breakthroughs. But, I mean, many of you know that tonight, I mean, today, at this time, we're home because my wife's suffering with cancer. And that's another thing that wasn't in my plan, <laughs> wasn't in our plan. And so it's suddenly a new recognition that we might have great plans and we've had to change a lot of plans, but it's this recognition that it's on this journey with God and he has a purpose 
and he has a destiny, you know, he, he knows what he wants to do, and we have to, in a sense, fall into line with that. Mm -hmm. And it's not that it's so hard to fall into line with that, it's just trusting him that this is, this is good, and this is what he is doing, and that he's got deeper purposes in our lives, in others' lives. So um, I look back at that challenge, you think you learn a lesson, God keeps teaching you, sometimes a little deeper, a little deeper, and um, if you think you've learned something, beware, there's another depth to that you have to learn yet, maybe later. But yeah, God is good, and it's this walk with God and, and learning to trust Him. It's really helpful. Thanks for being so open. Lucy, tell us about how God has given you gifts and how you've seen Him use those for you. Um, how could you encourage someone here to use the gifts that God's given them to serve Him? So, um, as I said at the start, I really enjoy baking and, um, and then playing the piano and stuff. And I think that, well, I can start with the music one that. Um, through that, I've been able to build up confidence to be able to use that gift, being able to play a piano and sing to, to lead worship and praise God and see or Eshi or, or church. And like I think for me, because I connect with music, that I think worship is such an important part of our of, of glorifying God. And I think that's a great way that if you're musical in any way that it's CE, you can get involved in that. Um, but this summer and then last summer as well, um, I went on a mission team to Romania with church. And when we were there, there's this Christian woman and she was getting married. And um, basically, they asked us to make 12 wedding cakes when we were out there with only Romanian ingredients and everything. And that's uh, and we all had to, we, me and this another girl, um, Sarah, had to make 12 cakes out in Romania. Um, and it's just something you never expect to do on a mission team is to make a wedding cake. But the people had never had cake before. Um, so then on the wedding day, there were like 200 people all came down and got cake. And like they were just so happy. And it's just even things like that, like if you can bake or if you can um, play sport, there's ways you can use that gift to serve God. It doesn't have to be a conventional way, but God will make a way for that to be used. And sure, there's the cafe and see, you can use bacon for that too. Absolutely, and please do. Oh, did you say they had never had cake before? Yeah, because it was like a really poor village. Like most of them hadn't even had like bread. Pray for Romania, seriously, like no cake. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's nice to hear a way that's not just classic music, but a bacon. Tom, are you a baker? I'm not a baker. <laughs> and no, if for any of you who know me even half well, I love talking. Uh, I love talking all the time. Um, and I think, I think God has given me a heart for people. I love um, just chatting to people, you know, catching up with them, um, whether it's over a coffee or just after CE or after church, whatever. Um, and I love being able to hear from people as well of, of how they're getting on. Um, and I, I really feel that God's given me a heart for that, uh, for, for other people, and just, try, just trying to help people along in their journey and encourage one another. I think that's maybe one thing we don't do enough is actually build each other up. Um, that's one of our key roles as Christians, um, to live in a community with each other, but also really encourage one another. Um, and like, like, like Lucy said, like, your gift can be anything. It can be baking. It can be small things. Um, I think sometimes we look for all these amazing gifts, like preaching from the front or um, singing um, and worship, and those gifts are brilliant, and they're, we should definitely thank God for the people who are, are gifted with those. Um, but gifted, gifting can be anything. It can be open up your home to someone and can just be asking people how they are. Um, just really, really small things that make a massive impact for the kingdom. Um, yeah, so find your gift. It can be so simple. Um, and if you don't know, ask someone. Ask someone you trust. Um, and maybe they can help guide you as well, um, or something you're in your church as well. Um, they don't have to be massive things. Small things um, can make as much of an impact for someone. Like even asking how they are, baking a cake for someone. I'm sure Romanian people appreciate that so much. Um, yeah. Unreal. Henry, what about you? Yeah, I mean, um, I, trained in, I trained in engineering. I... Um, enjoy fixing things and trying to create new things. Um, and I sort of, yeah, I really thought I'll use this in part of my, as part of my missionary career. And yes, to a certain extent I did, um, going out to the Middle East. And, you know, when the orphanage was bombed, I mean, your engineering skills came in quite, help, quite helpful in getting things going again. But what, I mean, when we started out, to the Middle East, Nancy and I, and we're trying to get involved in the community and find um, uh, a way to relate to people and, and engage in their lives so we could share faith or demonstrate our faith. Um, 
we were asked to run this orphanage, okay? So they asked me to come in and put irrigation, build plastic tunnels, and put in uh, irrigation systems and plant cucumber and tomatoes, which Lebanese live on, basically. And uh, so that was the connection. But what we realized was, we said, we don't know how to run an orphanage. What do we do? But then, we had, I had spent nine years at boarding school. <laughs> and I suddenly realized that those years away from my family, I could relate to the boys a certain amount. Mm. Uh, how to run an orphanage, how to build trust with the, with the boys, how as a staff member. I mean, I knew what I didn't like from boarding school. And I knew how, okay, now I'm in charge. How would we do this to really relate with the boys so they trust us and, and we can really uh, be a family? And I suddenly realized that the Lord takes all these experiences in our lives. And yes, some of it is gifting, um, but also a lot of it is just experience. That he, the things we go through, in a sense, become gifts that we use. Mm -hmm. And so um, Nancy and I were both very thankful for time at boarding school because it really helped us to relate and to set the orphanage up in a way that the boys would, um, yeah, felt loved and felt this was a home. Unbelievable. Did you say in a throwaway line there that the orphanage was bombed? Did I hear that correctly? Did you say that? Yeah. Um, no, I don't watch much TV. Like, but um, there's a really good documentary right now on BBC iPlayer. I think it's still there. It's called The... Um, the House of Assad, a dangerous dynasty. Okay. Anyway, it's all about the government of Syria. So anyway, the father of the current Bashar al-Assad, Hafez al-Assad, he decided to uh, invade Lebanon and take it over. And so we were right in his line of fire one day. So one day we had, for instance, the worst day, we had 13 shells hit the orphanage. So we got the boys into a... We had built ourselves our own little bunker. Um, but of course, you're never ready when it happens, right? So we had to get to the bunker. And, but yeah, the Lord preserved us uh, through that day. But all the buildings were hit and destroyed. And, but the Lord preserved us. One staff member lost her hearing from um, you know, the air pressure from an explosion. But other than that, the Lord protected us. Wow. There you go. <laughs> um. I don't know how you follow that up. Uh, sometimes, you know, when it comes to things like you know, you've mentioned before, you guys, you know, when it comes to reading our Bible or, or spend time in prayer, it can seem boring or monotonous or just hard to motivate ourselves to do that. Um, just quickly, what, what, what's helped you guys persevere in doing things like that? Um, well, I think reading the Bible is, and studying it properly is something that I still struggle with, like, every single day. And um, in Psalm 119, verse 105, I think it's, um, it says, like, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I think remembering that um, really helps me to remember that I need to study God's word because, like, it is our light. Like, if, we don't, if, if it's dark, you need a light to see. And I think whenever I, it comes to studying the Bible, like, you, you can't just open up at some random book and read it and, and try to get something from it. Um, you really need to, I think it's really crucial to have something to study alongside. Like for me, it really works with Bible reading notes or like a book to read alongside or even just to write down what I'm thinking in like a, a notebook or a journal or something. And um, I think you need that motivation or some sort of Bible reading plan. It is so difficult just to try and read the whole Bible. But um, and when it comes to prayer, I think we can just forget that prayer can be anywhere. It can be at any time. And I think we can just so easily just sort of think, oh, God knows my thoughts. I don't need to pray. Um, but I think whenever we do pray and whenever we give our lives over to God and let him take full control, we, we can see that in our lives. Yeah, that's super helpful. Colin, what about you? Yeah, well, for me personally, I do not read the Bible enough, more than, uh, half as much as I should, so I do feel like a hypocrite in saying this. Um, but I think one of the first things that can be really helpful is to actually recognize what the Bible is. Like, the Bible is the word of God. Like, God has, like, inspired people to write it. And so, therefore, all of the words in the Bible matter and need to be taken seriously. Um, I think if we remember that more than our attitude towards the Bible um, would we'll, we'll change. Um, and like how freely we have to read it, or we can access it almost anywhere in this country. Um, and I think, like Lucy said, um, you, it, you can obviously isolate verses, but it's good um, to look at books and actually... Um, have things to re read alongside it and um, to kind of help with your context and like learn um, how to read it as well. Um, I also think like having accountable relationships with people 
who can like mm. call you out and say, are you reading your Bible? Um, like, what have you been reading? If, if not, like, why have you not been reading that? And I think that's, that can be really challenging and we got to make ourselves vulnerable to do that. Um, but that's a good way of how we grow as well. Um, so I think just um, reminding ourselves what the Bible is and like how severely important it is um, for our growth as Christians and also having people around us who we can be honest to. Um, and like, yeah, like we are broken people and by nature we're sinful. So we're not always going to want to read the Bible. Um, and I think we also have to pray to God and ask us to give him, to give us a heart to read it and a heart to have our, to want to see ourselves transformed um, and, and for him to give us the sight to read as we read the Bible as well. So yeah, recognizing what the Bible is, um, having people you can talk to uh, honestly about where you're at and just taking practical steps like whether that's reminders on your phone to read your Bible or small books to read alongside it um, to help you understand the passage better. Yeah. Those are some practical ways I think can be helpful. Super. Henry. <clears throat> I mean, um, I think we should all read our Bibles. I think we should read them daily. But, I mean, how do you do that year after year after year and grow? And uh, that's always a challenge, I think, for all of us. Um, for me, I have to have a regular time. I, um, boarding school days, I guess, maybe I got into routines. I like a routine. Um, get up early. That's, that's my, my choice. But I think that can just be, become routine. And so I find um, it helps me to, to do some things different. Set aside an evening maybe where you, um, where you just have extra time to read and reflect and to think and to pray. I mean, I think also um, it's about Jesus and a relationship with him. And um, so read a passage, what does this say about Christ? Uh, how is Jesus revealed here? Uh, what do I, you know, how do I adore Christ in what he is revealing of himself here? What does this say to me about my relationship with him or sin in my life that I need to deal with? Uh, and so asking those type of questions, having, yeah. going through. Mm. But changing things up, uh, I've really enjoyed, I'm sure you guys are all techie and stuff, you know the Bible Project? Mm -hmm. I mean, I love those little videos about little clips on each book of the Bible and their themes. Mm -hmm. So I found that very helpful. I did their reading through the Bible one year as, as something to do. But yeah, I think um, have, a, you know, have a regular plan, but then do these extra things. Yeah. Um, the Bible's also about, I mean, we are Protestant evangelical maybe, and it's all about the Word of God. We're really good at teaching in that, okay? But there's lots of other things God talks about, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's, um, when they offered sacrifice, aroma came up. And so I think there's a lot of that aspect that maybe as evangelicals we don't. And when I got involved with some of the Coptic churches in the Middle East with their incense, and we all go like, oh, no, this. But the thing is, it's all different ways of, re of relating and reacting and learning about God. Mm. So... Don't be shocked, but I would often light a candle. Okay. And a dark room, a candle, reflect. There's scent as well. I mean, just different ways to relate to Jesus and give him opportunity to reveal himself. It's helpful. But, yeah. yeah, that's great. Um, a guy who's older than me has recently asked me, did I want to start up and, you know, reading the Bible? And I was like, right, okay. Um, and I said, that's been really beneficial to me as someone who likes to think he's more mature than he is, you know, I'm 20, 25, um, you know, I've been a Christian a long time, and this guy who's older than me has said, you know, let's meet up once a week and read through the Bible, um, those are all really great things, but that's, that's really helpful as well, if that's something you want to do, talk to someone in your church or someone older than you as well, hey, do you want to read the Bible with me, um, I think that's, that's a really helpful way as well, um, really quickly, if someone doesn't follow Jesus yet in this room, what's your one piece of advice to them? Well, I think that if you're in this room and you don't follow Jesus, this is the best place that you can be. Like every week at CE, the gospel is preached. And if you are wanting to know more about Jesus, then this is the place that you can come to learn more about him. And even if you're here just because your friends are here, it then, you know, you, you still came to find out more. And I think if you, you can't think that just believing in God is enough, you have to have that personal relationship with him. And um, I think in the song, um, 
you know, says, I have, I have decided to follow Jesus, um, no turning back, and as I have decided, no one else can make that decision for you, um, but I think the advice would be keep coming to CE, because that's where you're going to hear the most, most important word that you'll ever hear in your life. Good question. Uh, I'd say open up the word, open up the Bible, um, see who Jesus is. Like I said earlier, my favorite book in the Bible at the moment is Luke. Uh, we're studying and kind of like our version of YF at church. Um, and like just open, open and look up, seeing who Jesus is, like the claims he makes and how he backs it up, um, how he treats like the oppressed people in society, how he like loves those in a lower class and like rebukes those who think they're a class. Um, just how he, he, how he acts is so countercultural. Um, and yeah, I just inc- really encourage you to open up the Bible and see who he is. Um, and the life he lived, and then the death he died for us, um, and how, how um, his resurrection, um, and how his ascension to heaven, um, and actually, like, he's still alive, and he reigns over, like, this world. Um, yeah, just open up the Bible, see who he is, particularly the Gospels, um, and his claims, I think. Yeah, and if you need someone to help you, by all means, ask someone. Um, there's nothing wrong with saying, like, you don't understand something, Absolutely. Um, and you need help as a good thing and it shows that, that God's working in your life um, yeah it's my advice just open up and see because Jesus is yeah it's crazy what he does um, particularly in the gospels and how he treats people I think yeah Great. Henry yeah I mean I I've enjoyed not just this answer but all the answers from both and I, I agree um, I think one of the things I would say if you're not following Jesus you're following something uh, you might not have formulated what you're following but you're definitely going in a direction. And, um, I mean, do you realize that? Well, one of your options is to follow Christ. Um, I've enjoyed helping with Click this, this past month. Sunday school here in our church, yeah. Okay, so these P5, P6, and I was asked to explain to them that Solomon said life was meaningless. <laughs> but, you know, here they're like, oh, okay. So anyway, we had a good class, I think. It was, there was lots of interaction and fun. But... Here's the wisest man on earth. Uh, Jesus said he came in. One that is wiser than Solomon is now here. But Jesus acknowledged his wisdom that he was a very, very wise man. And Solomon himself says he put his, anything that interests him, he pursued. So he was a scientist and he was an engineer and he did all kinds of stuff. But at the end of his life, he said it's all meaningless. And the only meaningful thing is to honor God and to, I mean, in a sense, to know God and honor him. And I'm thinking, you know, here's these, these little ones. And um, essentially, I would say, I mean, I think we ended with saying, look, you have this opportunity to know Jesus and follow him and know that your life will be invested in a way that will be, uh, there will be fruit that's eternal. I mean, you will make an impact in this world, in your own life and in the lives of others that will last forever. It will be meaningful. You know, what you don't want to do is get to my age and say suddenly, this has been meaningless. Like, this is vapor. This is vanity. Is, you know? And so that would be my challenge. I mean, if you're not following Christ tonight, you're following something. But there's a wonderful invitation from Christ to join him, to be part of his family, and to invest your life in something, whatever you do, that will have eternal meaning. Great. One sentence. Why bother with church? Someone is he's sitting here thinking... All right, your Jesus is great, but why? Why would I? Why would I waste a lion opportunity on a Sunday morning to go to church? One sentence. What's your answer? God adopts us into His family. We need family. He's never expected us to walk this journey alone. Come and join others who love Christ. Learn and walk together. I can't do it one sentence. Sorry. I'll <laughs> can we take two or three sentences? Um, when I was in P7, you love to talk after. Yeah, I do all like right. to talk. Use, yeah. use your gift column. <laughs> yeah, hey, this is an example. Um, yeah, when I was in P7, we went, to, we went to Paris, and we went up the Eiffel Tower and gone to the second floor, and we were looking out over Paris and, like, the amazing views of, you could see all around. Um, and I remember there was this one kid, about four or five beside us, who was sitting playing his, or standing playing his Nintendo DS um, on, like, the second floor of the Eiffel Tower, and, like, he was more interested in playing this game than actually seeing the view all around him. And I think that could be an example if you don't go to church, is that if you're a Christian... I call yourself a Christian, but you don't think you need church or you don't want to bother with church. Um, I'd say you're, you're living a very shallow view of, or living a shallow life of uh, Christianity. Um, like Henry says, uh, God is a God who is in community with like, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he has created us to be 
in community with one another. Um, so if you don't go to church, I really encourage you, don't sit and play your Nintendo DS on top of the Eiffel Tower. Um, see what church is, um, its importance, and see its value um, for what it really is. The boy loves to talk. He's a gift. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Lucy? Yeah, I'm going to say a sentence and I explain it, if that's okay. Great. Um, so church is family. So church isn't just like a building with like old people who like sing really old hymns. Like church is like so much more than that. Like if you don't go to church, like you're, you're missing out because there's so many people that go to church that love you so much. And if I didn't go to church, I know that I would not be in the same place with my faith where I am right now because you don't have those people that you're accountable to, those people that are looking out for you and asking how your week have been. And if you want that, if you want to know Jesus more, I'd say get involved in the church because that it's your, it can be your family. Magic. All right, 30 seconds each. Do you have plans for, I don't know, the months ahead, the summer ahead? How can we pray for you? Um, well, at the moment, I'm sort of in the middle of planning to go back to Romania this time on, like, a medical team okay. to see how that goes. Um, but um, just pray for the people in Romania. As I said, like, they've never had cake, but that's not their biggest issue. <laughs> um, <laughs> the people in Romania don't know Jesus. They don't know, um, they don't have church. You know, they, they don't really understand what the gospel is. So just pray for Romania and for, for them to know Jesus. Super. Um, I think just for what I'm going through at the minute, um, just, I just pray that um, if you could pray, just for I would keep saying Jesus and keep saying God's faithfulness um, behind um, everything going on, on in, in my life, and particularly also my family as well. Um, we've had a hard time recently. Um, and just that I think would keep growing in Jesus and, and keep building friendships with people at sea as well. Um, and for each of us, I guess, is a prayer that we can all um, grow closer to Jesus, but also closer to one another. Um, and yeah, just grow as a, as a body of Christ as well. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, for, I mean, for Nancy and I, we're still involved in mission. I mean, do pray for Nancy. She's got a particular struggle with health right now. But we're still engaged. We're still trying to see people go. We're still involved in speaking at churches, mobilizing, encouraging people to think about investing their lives and, and, and overseas in different places. And then in January, I, I mentioned growing up in Africa. I left in 79, never went back. Um, but the church is celebrating its 80th uh, anniversary next, uh, in January, and I've been invited to come out and represent the mission, but also there's ties with the community. So you can pray for that. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping to do that. And, yeah, it's exciting what God is still doing in this church in Africa. Amazing. Can we give them a round of applause? We are we're really grateful for you guys. We're really grateful to uh, a loving God who has saved you and used you and even used you tonight. You might feel like that right now uh, in front of a room of all these uh, lovely faces. Um, but God has used you tonight. You're such an encouragement to us. You're such a challenge to us as well. Um, let us pray for you before the band come up uh, and lead us in worship. Father, we thank you that you are a God who doesn't stand idly by and watch us flail around in our own mess. You are a God who loves to save broken people, who loves to bring us to yourself, who loves to teach us a lesson so that we may love you better and love others too. Father, we thank you so much for um, Lucy. We thank you for how you have saved her and used her, um, how you've used her in uh, even as a 10-year-old in Derry Hill, to how you're using her in uh, CE and PCSU and, and church now. Lord, would you bless her? Would you help her as she thinks about heading out to Romania on this uh, medical team? Um, Father, we pray for the people that she loves dearly there, for the people that she's going to. Lord, um, they need lots of things, but as she says, they need Jesus. Father, would you use her mightily? Would you use the people who are working there mightily? that people who are lost and broken and outside of Christ may come in, that they will be saved. Father, we thank you for Callum. We thank you for how you've saved and used him. We thank you um, for the influence he has among his friends and in his church. Uh, Father, just as he goes through struggles and is so honest about that, Lord, would you continue to uh, be with him? Would he know your peace and your love and your presence and your faithfulness? Father, would you help him in the midst of everything? Uh, to see Jesus as one who is glorious and loving and kind and faithful. Father, we pray for his family as well. 
Uh, we thank you so much for him. And Father, thank you for Henry. We thank you so much that you have used him in so many different countries over the course of his life. Thank you that uh, tonight we can just even get a, a tiny flavor of what that has looked like. Father, we thank you for the stories that he has to tell um, of how you have used him, how you've used others in his life, um, how you've glorified yourself through him and Nancy. Lord, we pray for Nancy. Uh, we pray for her health and the situation there. Would you give her your peace? Would you be with her? Would the family know you closely at this time? And Father, as they go through this, Lord, um, as they uh, struggle with, with health, Lord, we thank you so much that they still care about mission, the mission that you're on, the mission of your church. Father, would you help them as they mobilize and encourage others to go on mission for you? And Father, would he be able to go to Africa in January and spend some sweet time with, with a, a community that has had such an impact on his life? Father, we thank you so much for these three. Father, we pray for everybody in this room. We thank you that each person in this room has a story to tell. Father, it's our prayer tonight that that story will be of God's faithfulness, not of their stupidity or sinfulness or brokenness. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who loves to save. Lord, would we put our trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name.